All right, hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, to my left, an absolute gem, we have Justin Anderson. How's it going, bud? Can't complain, man. How are you? Not too bad, like 9.5 out of 10. It's pretty I solid. I was going to do the old Leahy 6 out of 10, but... I don't know, is that, a, is that an obscure reference, Trailer Park Boys no, references? That's, that's totally like on, on par for our, for our audience, I think. That was for you, Patrick Marsh, joining us from the Maritimes. You get a Trailer Park Boys reference today, buddy. I love it. R.I.P. Leahy. Man, he was he was a beauty. Everybody here locally loved him, and uh, he left behind uh, a, a wonderful legacy when it comes to uh, acting here in Nova Scotia. Everyone loved so. him, not just the Maritimes. I think all of Canada, all of North America, they love the Leahy. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> Again, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, give us a follow. Make sure you give us a share, comment, ask us questions, whatever. You do you. And uh, usually this is the time of the podcast where we talk about something silly or embarrassing that we're doing. But uh, we have a very special guest with us on the line right now. Um, Blue Jays and MLB reporter. He's the editor of Baseball Toronto Feature writer with the score, uh, Keegan Matheson, joining us on Skype, uh, fellow Nova Scotian as well. How's it going, Keegan? I'm doing very well, guys. How are y'all doing? Can't complain. Keegan Matheson, by the way, uh, Blue Jays and MLB reporter, um, formerly of MLB.com. He's he's fantastic. We're, we're very pumped to have him on the podcast today because if you follow him on Twitter, you know that he's one of the best guys to uh, follow when it comes to the Blue Jays. Very knowledgeable guy. Um, first question here. Keegan, because Marcus Stroman went on a little bit of a Twitter tirade again about pitching and free agency, free agency and stuff like that. We talk about no Mar- way. We talk about Marcus Stroman's social media presence a lot on this show. Um, what do you think about that recent Twitter tirade and just the ones in the past as well? <laughs> if, the, um, if there hasn't been a, another one since I accepted this call, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, the one from this morning. Yeah. Um, I, I understand the the reasoning, and, and of course, even if it's players who are are not friendly, you want every other player to be getting money. You want that bar to constantly rise, and you know that's the, the MLBPA. You want everybody to get that high bar because then you can as well. Any contract is good for everybody. Um, the examples, uh, like Bartolo Colon and James Shields, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure about that. Um, I, I believe a couple of weeks ago it was um, uh, Gomez as well in the outfield mm-hmm. coming off of a bad year. So there are, um, you know, maybe the, the best idea in that was the Keikels and the Kimbrels. Yeah. But he's, um, you know, he certainly makes use of the uh, social platforms sometimes for a for good sometimes not but uh it's always interesting to see the reaction you know the the reaction to that has uh, i think varied uh, over the last couple of years and you see more and more athletes now as they try to be as open uh, with fans or as accessible you know there is a point where sometimes it's going to blow back on you and it makes you understand why there are so many athletes who just say no way i'm not touching it <laughs> and i you know that, that's something I, I love asking guys when we're just chatting you know not interviewing but just chatting you know, did you uh, did you give up on twitter did you delete your facebook how'd that go and more and more now you just hear yeah it's not worth the not mm. worth the trouble now you were talking about uh talking to the players doing some reporting now your journey to being um a sports writer kind of a different one i mean most people you know they do the whole journalism school that kind of thing but you had a stable job and then you left it to kind of pursue your dream just kind of talk about how you got into uh the situation that you're in now yeah coming from nova scotia and um i i went through you know originally when i was uh, growing up in nova scotia in a small town I was, uh, I, was, I was very much the science and math guy, the classic smart kid. Uh, I don't know what went wrong. But uh, b- beyond that, I, when I was uh, going through high school, I was very fortunate to have one of those classic life-changing English teachers. And, you know, our, our English teachers, if I heard that a, a meteor was coming for Earth, that's who I'm protecting. Because there's, you know, so many of us who are in journalism, we've had that, uh, that role model or that person who's really uh, changed our path and... That sent me through uh, you know, doing a, a degree in English and creative writing at uh, Dalhousie University in Halifax. And 
believe it or not, I, I got out of school and there weren't a lot of people stumbling over themselves to hire a, uh, an English and writing grad. <laughs> as shocking as that might be, but, um, you know, by, a, by a, a, a bit of luck and, and by friends and by anything else, I actually got into a banking job while living in Halifax and uh, life was good. It was certainly something that I could have settled into and, and you know, lived a uh, more stable life than this with, but... It was, uh, it, you know, it was always in the back of my mind that sports writing was something I wanted to do. And you know, growing up around Nova Scotia, it's so much different than growing up in Toronto, right? I wasn't picking up a Toronto Star or a Toronto Sun or a Globe or a Post every day and reading real beat coverage. You know, mm. you, you did get some of the stories, but I wasn't exposed to that daily great writing. So it came from a bit of a different place. You know, where, where I'm from, everybody is a storyteller. You know, it's one of the strange things about being in Toronto. For me, people will say, oh, let's go out to the let, let's go to the bar. There's an event. And I say, well, why don't we all just take beer to someone's kitchen and stand around in a circle for yes. eight hours? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it blows my mind. But I'm used to everybody having 10 stories and mm. all of those stories going way, way, way too long. But uh, between that and, you know, where I grew up, people are are curious and curiosity is the absolute greatest skill a, a reporter or a journalist can have, you know, wanting to know what's happening and why. Uh, back home, maybe that's more of a, you know, gossip, what's Johnny up the street doing? But it's these little things that I didn't realize until a, a bit later in life that were kind of, uh, you know, instilled in me, curiosity and storytelling. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I, I, uh, I get to do those, uh, you know, e every day. It's something that I, I, I try to be conscious of the fact that I'm very lucky to do. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story, Keegan. I'm also from Nova Scotia, currently basking in the, the warm glory that is the plus seven degrees <laughs> Celsius weather. It's minus in 11 Halifax. here right now. It's not that bad, okay? The sunshine and the roads are kind of melting. Stop rubbing it in, bud. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely beautiful in Halifax today while the snow started to melt. Good for Halifax. But uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I digress. Uh, the big question on every Blue Jays fan's mind right now is how serious is the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. injury, and when can fans realistically expect to see him with the team? It's not not very serious. You know, when you, you look at an oblique injury, that is one of those nagging injuries. I think even going back to those Brett Laurie days mm -hmm. where it seemed like he strained an oblique once a week, sometimes they can linger a little bit, those obliques, because you're dealing with the rotational muscles in the core of the body. So it's a little more complicated than just a strained hamstring where you can isolate it a bit more. But it looks like he's only going to be a few weeks until he's back in what the Blue Jays call game action. That might mean a couple of rehab games in Dunedin and then up to Buffalo. Uh, maybe it stretches four or five weeks and that turns into a rehab stint. We'll have a much clearer picture over the next 10 days or so. But this uh, certainly stretches back his debut date, I believe. And we were already going to have to have that uh, recurring conversation about will the Blue Jays or won't they, you know, bring him up for opening day, which the answer has been absolutely not insert laugh track for months and months, <laughs> but we, you know, we, we have it over and over, but um, that now wipes it out. So you're looking at mid April now in terms of a, a return, not an MLB promotion. So what if that stretches into late April? And then if that point comes, will the Blue Jays stretch that to the Super 2 cutoff? That varies from year to year, but then you're getting into the conversation of Vlad having that extra arbitration year. And we've seen recently that that can mean uh, a few million bucks for the right player down the road. So mm -hmm. it's a, a different frustrating conversation. And really it's for people who are, constantly following baseball and know the ins and outs of the CBA, you can at least see the logic of it, the reasoning. Whether you like it or not, you at least see why it's happening. But something I, I try to remind myself of so often is that the average baseball fan, 90% of people who are watching the game or reading me, don't care about the CBA. Yeah. And I, I, I envy that. I wish I didn't have to care about <laughs> the CBA. They're looking at this and saying, why is their best player not going to be on the team when he's healthy and the year starts. So I at least appreciate and understand where that's coming from, but 
it's uh, another factor that's going to be uh, playing a part in this, and it's uh, not ideal uh, for the Blue Jays or, or even for Vladdy himself. Yeah, ignorance is bliss, I guess. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm hoping that it's not as serious because for, for purely selfish reasons, I'm going to Anaheim for the uh, away series at the end of April, so... I'm, uh, oh, that'll be close. I know. <laughs> I swear you bring that up. Like, I have to. I'm, I'm rubbing it in. I'm going to see Mike Trout, and I'm also I was also hoping to see Vladdy, but at least if one of the two is there, I'll still be Yeah, we happy. get it. Halifax is warm. <laughs> You're going to see the Jays. I'll just sit here with a thumb in my butt, guys. Well, cool. Keegan's yeah. in Florida, so I'm not sure how that makes you feel. Feels He's living my dream. So. <laughs> yeah. You can see Albert Pujols, which, you know, if, if you close your eyes and pretend that you're 40 years down the road maybe that's close enough to vlad the, maybe the ghost of vlad the ghost of vlad, <laughs> ghost of vlad. <laughs> yeah so i mean you've had a, obviously had a great seat to watch the jays in spring training uh which player in camp has impressed you the most so far and on the other side which one has left something to be desired oh let me think when you when you look around this this roster this camp it's such a different feel mm -hmm. because just turning over the coaching staff and especially moving away from some of the veterans, that really changes the feel of a camp. And, you know, you hear people say that a clubhouse vibe or a feel and uh, what does that even mean? But it is evident when you're around it that there's a, a bit more of a freedom. And one good example, I talked to Anthony Alford about this and he said in past years, even though he is one of the faster players in the organization, there aren't many athletes like him in baseball. Mm -hmm. But he would say, if I'm standing on first base and Edwin Encarnacion or Troy Tulowitzki's at the plate and there's two outs, I'm not going to run into an out and end the inning. Because, number one, they might hit a home run, but also you don't want to be that 22-year-old guy who screws up and takes away an RBI opportunity. Now, if you're Anthony Alford and you're on first base and you see Bo Bichette or Kevin Biggio at the plate, Nothing against them, but run for us. You know, it, it lets you loosen up, and you're no longer like his. What he said was walking on eggshells. So mm. it's nothing against the veterans. It's just a different type of team, and that lets you really go about things differently. So Alfred is one guy who has looked tremendous so far. And if you watch him on the right day, if you took a non-baseball fan and found him on the right day, they'd look out there and say, "Well, this guy has to be an MVP candidate." Look at this guy. But there's inconsistencies and there's health. Uh, Bo Bichette has looked fantastic. The catching depth that Toronto has relative to Major League Baseball is rare, and it's looked very good. When you're looking for some, some weaknesses so far, you can even get a little, little more microscopic. You look at Vladdy's defense. There have been some ugly plays, some routine grounders that have been booted around. That's going to happen, and he'll hit enough to distract you. But, uh, you know, looking through with some of the starting pitching options, you really want one of those AAA guys to stand out right now, whether it's Pannone, Wagspack, Reed Foley, Sopko, Harris, the list goes on. <laughs> the Blue Jays are going to have really six or eight guys who could start in that AAA rotation. They need one of them to pop. You know, that's what prospects are all about. It's not... You know, very rarely is it about finding Vladdy. Most of the time, it's about finding 10 guys, you know, quote-unquote guys, and having a little bit of hope. You know, one or two of these guys is going to surprise us. And the Blue Jays, I think, still need a couple of those to really pop out and seize a job. But that's the beauty of quantity. You can mm -hmm. have a little patience, and, you know, eventually uh, luck and development will break in your favor. We're talking with Keegan Matheson, uh, Blue Jays and MLB reporter, editor of Baseball Toronto, feature writer of The Score. Uh, Keegan, Danny Jansen is the guy. Charlie Montoyo has been pretty animate about that, saying, hey, this is the guy behind the plate. He's probably going to be our guy for a while. Do you think that this is a good idea to anoint him already, despite the fact that the Jays do have some good depth at catching? Or do you think that this is going to help him relax a little bit? Because, I mean, Russell Martin was the guy for a long time for the Jays, and it's the first time in a long time we've got a new guy back there. Do you think he's going to be relaxed uh, going into the season, or do you think he's going to feel the pressure a little bit of his first true big league season? You know, I think this is a great example, guys, of uh, Charlie Montoyo taking into consideration the, the person that he's dealing with here. And this is one of Charlie's strengths, is understanding the types of guys who are in his locker room and who can handle what. Um, Danny Jansen is someone who I think will 
be able to thrive with this news. It's not going to cripple him. He's not going to look at this and say, oh, my God, you know, uh, 120 games, here I come. I better put up. Uh, he is someone who is mature behind the plate, and that's why pitchers love to work with him. And he's smart behind the plate as well. You know, catcher is one of those positions where you really need to have the mental game, and, and Jansen does. Whether he's working with Stroman, who throws 45 different types of pitches, or if he's working with a even like a Jay Happ last year, who was just a thousand fastballs in a row. <laughs> he adapts very well, and he's very intelligent back there. Not going to be a gold glove defender, maybe, but as long as you can be an average, reliable glove, what he has offensively is pretty special. And this is where we get into, I think, uh, positional scarcity. You look around Major League Baseball right now, it's a lot like uh, when you're watching the NFL in the winter and some team signs a backup quarterback in week four and you think, who is that <laughs> type of oh, yeah. thing? They're just, there are not enough catchers in baseball, period, hard stop. There aren't enough catchers because it's not a glamour position. Uh, it's not often a position where you make the big money. So for the Blue Jays to have Jansen, Luke Maley, who I think is an underrated baseball player, and Reese McGuire, a very solid defender, that's great depth, what the Blue Jays have. And you know, Danny Jansen in his rookie year, I think, could be a top-five catcher in the American League. And that's not really falling into any sort of hyperbole. That's projection systems. That's the reality of the league and the position. And he'll be in a spot in the lineup to drive in some runs, to produce offensively, and maybe you cycle him through the odd DH day. But he's the type of guy, you know, that when the Blue Jays do preach, you know, culture and having the right people in the right places, he is a guy that you can point to and say that's what they mean. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all excited to see what Danny Jansen can do as sort of the our number one catcher. And I'm interested to see him work more with some of the younger pitchers uh, when they eventually get their call-ups and come up to the roster for good. Uh, speaking of which, uh, what do you think the rotation is going to look like on opening day? And is it going to be different in August? Yeah, this will be a big point of change, I think, for the Blue Jays. You will have... Stroman and Sanchez at the top, of course. Uh, I think Matt Shoemaker is pretty well written into there. Earlier in camp, Ross Atkins said that Clayton Richard was also written into that rotation. I don't know about that right now. And, and even at the time, I wasn't sure if that would be the case, having Clayton Richard in. Just given his year last year, what we've seen in spring training, when you look at any of the advanced metrics and try to find some reasoning, it's not really there <laughs> right now. And you do see him as a, a veteran. The Blue Jays love having him around, which is important to note. But maybe there's more of a bullpen role, uh, a long guy. Maybe that's Biagini or Gavilio as well. But they could probably benefit from having a multi-inning guy. Maybe it's him. So Clay Buckholes will be the big variable here. So I think most of this conversation will play off of Clay Buckholes. And now if he is ready in time... There he goes. He's probably that number five starter with Barucki in there ahead of him. If he's not ready, well, do you give him a start or two where he throws 70 and then 90 pitches? Do you start him in the bullpen? There's a lot of variables. But uh, I think that if the Blue Jays were to put someone like a Richard in the rotation ahead of Barucki, unless Barucki is completely imploding, you know, which he isn't, that would be tough to wrap your head around because Ryan Barucki is part of the future. He earned it last year and I, I think deserves the opportunity to uh, to go forward uh, you know, with a permanent rotation spot. Cool. Um, we talked about Anthony Alford a bit earlier, but I've, I've, I'm a huge fan of the guy. I've been singing his praises for, for a long time and pretty much every week on this, on this show. Uh, so we've kind of been waiting for this guy to explode at the plate and find some consistency since we drafted him. I mean, obviously he's been hitting home runs like crazy over the last week. Is it safe to say that he's figured something out at the plate? Because, I mean, based on his last month and a half in AAA last year, he's been on a bit of a tear. Uh, so do you think he has a chance of not only making the 25-man roster but sticking with the team for a big chunk of the season? Well, he's definitely helped himself, uh, Anthony Alford has. And the the 25-man roster right out of camp, I mean, of course you're dealing with McKinney and Hernandez. Mm -hmm. What are they doing with Dalton Pompey? We'll see. 
So Alfred might still have an uphill climb there. And the fact that he's in his last option year, you can start him in Buffalo and take him up a week in. Even if he were to do that and spend the full year in Toronto, uh, that's still a great outcome for him. But we do get really focused on opening day. And that's something that Ross Atkins brings up over and over. You know, that, that there's an obsession with opening day. But <laughs> the, the, the 25-man roster means that you're going to maybe not start with your best roster. Maybe it's the 99% best roster, but you're trying to keep control and then maybe slide a guy up a little bit later. Maybe that's Anthony Alford eventually, but he has figured something out and he has changed. And that's always the one of the most frequent questions that I ask if I'm talking to somebody within the Blue Jays. If, if a guy is hitting 400 over his last 20 games, has he changed or is he lucky? Most of the time he's lucky. And that's that's where the the hype and then the eventual downfall comes from. Most of the time, it's blind luck, and it's going to correct. He's going to come back to earth. Anthony Alford has been working with Guillermo Martinez, the new hitting coach, and another good relationship he has because Guillermo's a young guy, just 34, so they get along well. And they've tried to simplify Alford's swing, and that makes sense because Anthony Alford. Let's go back to that non-baseball fan example. Mm-hmm. If you brought your, your buddy into the locker room who's a hockey fan and said, walk around and point out to me who leads this team in home runs, he's probably going to point at Anthony Alford. Maybe Justin Smoke, but probably Anthony <laughs> Alford. It, the physical shape he is in does not make sense for baseball. You know, he, he is such a uniquely talented and gifted athlete, of course, coming from that football background. Yeah. So he doesn't need a big swing. You know, it's not like uh, even look at someone like a a Bo Bichette, Jose Bautista, another example. Guys who have big swings and have to create a lot of torque and power through their hips and body because they're a little bit, uh, you know, they're they're more average size. You know, guys who are six foot, 190 or 200. Anthony Alford has upper body strength that not most baseball players have. So as long as he can just get through and directly make contact, the ball is going to fly. Hopefully for him, that will cut down on some strikeouts, which have been an issue for him. But, you know, we'll see where this goes. The likeliest outcome is still him starting in AAA, and we'll see where that goes. But if he can stay hot, he is forcing this to be an awkward uh, decision for the Blue Jays. I know everyone sees this and immediately says, boom, trade Kevin Pillar, start Anthony Alford in center field. Uh, it's, it's not that simple. Um, playing center field requires more than just being a fast guy, number one. And uh, finding a suitor for Kevin Pillar requires uh, more than I know. So there, there's a lot of variables at play here, but he's done nothing but help himself. Uh, huge camp for him. And the, the Blue Jays see it. They're legitimately impressed. They don't think it's luck either. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an intense battle to figure out the outfield spots, especially with so many of them uh, hitting so well right now. Um, but we're going to switch back over to the pitchers. Uh, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite social media darling, Marcus Stroman again, uh, and of course his BFF, Aaron Sanchez. Um, yeah, these guys uh, used to be the darlings of the Jays rotation. They both struggled with injuries in 2018. Aaron Sanchez obviously... Uh, injured his finger again, stupidly. Um, has Sanchez looked more like his, you know, uh, sixteen and two or fifteen and two season? Uh, and what do you make of Marcus Stroman overall? Is he going to earn that long-term contract that he's looking for, or that he he seems to want to talk about every time a microphone is in front of his face? What do you think is going to happen? Be interesting. I'll, I'll start with Stroman, especially on the contract front. Um, you know, as as pro player as I am, I think every dollar possible should be in a player's pocket. From a reporter standpoint, I always have to say, well, what if I was the GM? What if I was the owner? Any GM right now, whether you're looking at a trade or a contract extension, looking at Stroman, you're going to last year's numbers, which are going to make you say, no, thank you. You're looking at the issue with his hand and the shoulder last year, especially We focus so much on elbows, shoulders for a pitcher. That's the red light. You don't like the word shoulder coming up, even if it's just fatigue. Now, he says that he's all the way back, and he's looked tremendous in spring training so far. Stroman has looked great on the mound. But in terms of signing an extension, that's not even something that he should maybe be 
pushing for at this point, because this is not negotiating from a a, a powerful position, <laughs> I guess, or or from a peak value, you know. So it's uh, it's understandable that he wants to be valued by the Blue Jays and rightfully so. But uh, there will probably be a point over the next couple of years where his value is a bit higher. Now, maybe that ends up being a trade. Maybe that ends up being a an extension elsewhere or his free agency. But right now, he's got to get back on the mound and show people that he is the excellent pitcher he has been in the past when he was at full health. So all signs are good, you know, at least for the Blue Jays on that front. And Aaron Sanchez, you know, even further, has looked absolutely tremendous this spring. And he's a guy who has an edge. It is, uh, it's evident when he's on the mound. It is evident when you talk to him. He is a, such a, a well-built, you know, if, if you're going to build a pitcher, you're going to probably draw someone who looks like, you know, physically Aaron Sanchez. He's got the height measurements. He's got the weight measurements. He's got the lower body strength. He's the classic starter who can go out and throw 200 innings, you know, if anyone does anymore. But he's got that health back. And for him to be such, you know, to be that ideal pitcher, but to be derailed by a single finger, that's got to drive you absolutely insane. You know, if if you blow an elbow or you blow a knee, you at least know what's going on. But a big guy to have one, a fingertip derailed two years and, you know, cost him how much money, it's understandable that that's extremely frustrating. So he is on a bit of a revenge tour at this point, definitely. we uh, One of our reporters here in Dunedin asked him, you know, what his his message or his impression would be of people who have questioned him or, or stopped believing him over the last couple of years. And he had a great answer saying, you know, they'll be back on the saddle. And I, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> but he's, uh, you know, he's ready. You know, there is a, a chip on his shoulder. There is a chip on Stroman's shoulder. And both of them have that potential to put up 200 innings with a 3.25 ERA and, do you know be that number one starter now if they do that we're in this unfortunate place where anybody who succeeds on the blue jays this year (laughs) our first conversation will be oh trade them (laughs) where we'll be so focused on trade value and team control but that's a great problem for the blue jays to have and you know even just looking at the odds looking at luck and chance one of them will probably bounce back if both do then the blue jays really have some value there I think the one positive to Marcus Stroman, or not Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, kind of going downhill over the past couple years, maybe this year he won't star in as many commercials, because (laughs) after that Cy Young candidate season, he was in a bunch of commercials, and he's such a bad actor. Like, whenever those commercials would come on, I was just like, seriously, man, like, you can't keep doing these commercials. Like, good for you for making some side money, you know? Everyone needs a good side hustle, but... Acting is not for that guy. Um, Keegan Matheson, thanks so much for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. I mean, you're living every Blue Jays fan's dream right now. And to take half an hour away from that to talk to a couple of guys about baseball, we really appreciate it. Uh, This is your time to talk about uh, Baseball Toronto, uh, talk about anything else you got working on. Um, The stage is yours for the next little bit, bud. What do you got to talk about? Yeah, while I'm down here, guys, everything is uh, on BaseballToronto.com. Uh, you, you can find, and it's uh, I continue to be uh, both overwhelmed and confused by how many people continue to subscribe and <laughs> and and support the website. But there are you know monthly annual subscriptions available there, and uh, you know what I hope to do with the website is number one, live coverage, beat coverage. I, it's it's important to me that uh, that to be covering the team live and in person. Uh, I know that the media world is not exactly at its peak right now, which means that travel is not at its peak, but I'm, you know, I'm proud that this little website has been able to be down here for, you know, as long as any other major outlet from Toronto, you know, we're pushing a month right now with lots of coverage. So, uh, you know, hoping to get on the road a bit, might, might even check out the Montreal series starting the year. I'll be in Cleveland with the blue Jays providing live coverage there. So, uh, hope you all check that out. Also, the the book, Top 50 Prospects, came out uh, a few weeks ago just before I left here for Dunedin. So I've uh, run into a few people with the paperback copy at the ballpark, which hmm. is 
so surreal that I, uh, you know, feel like passing out on the spot, not just from the heat, but it's uh, incredible to see. And, uh, you know, lots of good feedback on that as well. So that'll be uh, updated through the year for subscribers digitally on the website. But if you're a, you know, a throwback like me and you need the, uh, the paperback to add to your, your stacks and your, your thousands of shelves that clutter up your apartment, uh, that's there for you too. Keegan, thanks again for joining us. Uh, come back anytime, okay? Anytime you want to jump on the podcast, uh, we would be more than happy to have you on here again and again and again because you're probably the best voice we've had on here. So uh, appreciate it, bud. I know Patrick loves uh, a fellow Nova Scotian. It's Nova Scotian, right? Not Nova yeah. Scotiaite. That's Nova Scotian. Nova Scotiaite sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? I didn't really realize that. Loud. Um, Keegan Matheson of Baseball Toronto, uh, thanks so much for joining us, man, and uh, enjoy the next couple weeks in Dunedin. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Anytime at all. Thank you. Keegan Matheson on the show today. I still can't believe we got that guy, to be honest with you, but getting a guy like Keegan Matheson with his insight on the show, pretty dang good. Uh, let's yeah. talk a little bit more about uh, the Jays in spring training here. Uh, we're bringing back who's hot, who's not, because, Damn. well, the offseason's finally over and we can actually talk about some baseball now. Um, when it comes to the not here, guys, because there is a lot of guys that are hot right now, a lot of positives to focus on for the Jays during spring training, but let's start with the negatives first. Out of all the players um, on the Jays roster, and we kind of asked this last week as well, who do you think is underwhelming the most here, Justin? The most underwhelming? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, for me, Luke maley has been very underwhelming. I think he's batting below 150 mm -hmm. right now. And when you look at the lineup the last week, everyone's hitting, it seems like, 800 over the last week. Yeah. And we're mashing home runs at a ridiculous pace. And Luke Maley hasn't been a part of that. Um, he's been my most underwhelming so far. And I, I think that's probably the only guy that really stands out for me on the offensive side. Pitching-wise, uh, Elvis Luciano started out great. And his last couple times out, he's looked just awful. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for a 19-year-old, it's not too surprising. We were hoping that he would be pretty solid and kind of force the Jays to keep him around, but it looks like we may have to just offer him back to KC just to open up another spot for maybe a veteran guy like a uh, Bud Norris or a Johnny Axford. Yeah. Patrick, what about you, buddy? The most underwhelming player on the uh, Jays so far in the spring training? Man. Uh, I don't know what to say because, like, everybody has been pitching, or uh, not pitching, but uh, hitting so well. Um uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> as far as like pitching goes, Thomas Pannone, I, I don't know what's going on. He has been, he's been yucky. It's just like he, you are just yeah, over there. Yeah, yeah. Question. I didn't expect this kind of response. Like it's just, Oh, like you don't have to worry about hurting their feelings. If we thought Patrick was like... mellow last week, this is even worse. He's just distraught. Oh no, man. There's a lot of hype. Like, I'm a I'm a real hype machine this week for a lot of guys, but Thomas Pannone has been like such a disappointment watching him, well, or listening to him pitch. <laughs> oh my god, it's just been a nightmare. Mm. And as far as like at the plate, I I called it. Vladdy was going to be a disappointment, <laughs> and uh, he hit 211 before he got injured. I would say that's disappointing. Obviously, Reese McGuire. Obviously, Kevin Pillar, who's been, who's gone three for twenty-five. Shout out to Kevin Pillar. Um, <laughs> Luke Melee batting one eleven. Uh, Dwight Smith Jr. before he got dealt to the Orioles was batting decimal zero eight three. Not good. Forrest Wall was zero for fifteen before he got demoted down to the AAA or the minor league camp. So like. There's been a few guys who have kind of, I don't want to say flown under the radar, but they just, they're not hitting 300 or 400, like, you know, 90% of our players. And they just like, Kevin Pillar is a real problem in the system right now and that he's too good not to be considered, but he's really like, if, if I were to make up a lineup today, Kevin Pillar wouldn't even be in the dugout as a pinch hitter. He wouldn't even be the fifth outfielder. I would much rather take a flyer on Anthony Alford than I would have Kevin Pillar in the lineup. So Kevin Pillar, 
figure it out or go away. <laughs> I'm picking Kevin Pillar too. Yeah. His stats are bad, but... I have one quick question for Patrick. The question in everybody's mind is, are you still on the Thomas Pannone hype train? You've gotten off it once before. You've gotten back on. Are you on? Are you still? Are you off again? Or are you still on? It's All right. Here's this the thing a Facebook with, with Patrick's relationship with Thomas Pannone is complicated. It's extremely complicated. <laughs> if you look, if you look at the log, if you look at the logs, okay, he. So he rotten. has come out of the bullpen and he's looked okay when he's started or when he's taken over for the starter it just hasn't it, it hasn't panned out he's only played four games it's only 5.2 innings that's barely over an inning per appearance i don't think thomas panone suddenly drops off the face of the planet as far as his ability goes but obviously, uh, dude needs a tiny bit of seasoning in AAA before he comes up. He'll probably be an August call-up. I don't think he should touch an MLB baseball until he absolutely has to in August when we deal away everybody else. Okay, let's get to the positives. I'm on the train. I'm not getting off the train. We're, we're getting Ever. to the positives now because if we keep talking negatives, I'm scared you're going to put on the good Charlotte and get all even sadder on us here. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Um, positives. Teoscar Hernandez, uh, he's batting 522. He's got five ribbies. He's killing it, obviously. Yeah. Um, first thoughts of T. Oscar here, Patrick. Man, this was the guy we were hoping would come into camp looking good, having a good eye. And guess what? He is doing everything right so far this summer or this spring. Um, T. Oscar Hernandez. This, this is it. This is what we were hoping for last year, for him to come out red hot. He showed a little bit of that at the plate. He still hit 22 home runs. Um, I think earlier in the spring training, uh, Justin and I were talking off mic, and I think Justin said that he was predicted 31 home runs, if I'm not mistaken, Justin. That's what I, I think the prediction was. Yeah. I think, I, I'll take the over on that. I think this guy is dialed into something. He is showing a tremendous amount of patience. He's getting his pitch, which probably isn't going to happen as often uh, during the season. Obviously, a 1.142 OPS is unsustainable for someone like Teoscar Hernandez. But that being said, whatever he's got right now is magic, and it's it's all over the locker room right now. It's spreading everywhere. It's amazing. It's spreading to uh, Guriel Jr. as well because yeah. he's hitting 438. Uh, he's got two dingers, six RBIs. Um, Guriel Jr., can he keep this up? Justin? I mean, nobody's going to hit 450 over the course of a season. Obviously. I know. I, I know mean, what you mean. Like, I know what you mean. Being consistent. I mean, we, last year, that was his big problem. We saw Lourdes go on that big streak last year, his multi-game or multi-hit streak, um, where he was absolutely turning the cover off the ball. And, of course, he had that knee jar in, in, against the White Sox in mm-hmm. Chicago that kind of derailed the rest of his season. Lourdes Gurriel is probably a guy who's going to hit between 275 and 290 for his big league career. It's just the guy he's looked like so far and limited time. And obviously in time in the minors, he's hit pretty well. And he's probably got 15 to 20 home runs in him. He's a, he's a pretty good. I always compared his offensive approach. I think I've done it before to Aaron Hill when he played for us. Mm-hmm. When Aaron Hill could hit for 20 home runs and have the nice power numbers, the extra base hits. Uh, Gurriel for me, I think Devin Travis being injured again is really his kind of saving grace this spring training that's going to earn him some more playing time because i mean if, if devin travis is healthy there's one more second baseman to get ab's and that would cut down on guriel's time but guriel's making the most of it obviously i mean if you're going to hit 450 uh that's that means you're, you're going to get more playing time you're going to earn yourself and find yourself a way to get into the lineup the manager's not going to keep a guy who's hitting 450 out of the lineup yeah for more than one day kind of thing and I think for Guriel, this this is all he this is what he could have hoped for. This is everything he could have hoped for to come into this spring and do. Two guys that have also been playing quite well um, in spring training: Brandon Drury. Mm-hmm. He's been playing really, really great. Three eighty-one average right now. He's got two dingers, um, three RBIs. He's even got a couple stolen bases as well. Yeah. But uh, Richard Urania has been playing really good as well, as we all uh, predicted. Three fifty-three yes. average. Um, he's got two RBIs. He doesn't have a lot of pop in his bat, so you don't really expect no. him to hit a lot of home runs. But out of those two guys, Patrick, uh, Urania and Drury, who are you more happy to see play well? Like, who are you rooting for more, Drury or Urania, to uh, have a big spring? 
Justin knows. Justin <laughs> knows because he knows that I never forget anything. And I remember when I made the prediction that Richard Urania was going to make the 25-man roster for opening day. And Justin, what were you, what were your words? I said if Richard Urania starts on opening day, I will cheer for the New York Yankees. Oh, now you're throwing in the start. No, I did there, say that. Man. If you go back and listen. Because sure. Patrick said he would be our opening day third baseman because... Instead of, instead of Vladdy. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said he'd be on the 25. Uh, I thought you said he'd be on opening day starting. I don't know. But... This, it sounds like we, we might have to dig into the archives, to the archives to double check. But nonetheless, obviously Richard Urania, he's still he's still young. He still uh, is figuring some things out as far as his abilities. He is a good defender, as mm. Justin admitted yeah, we can't, uh, during we can't argue season that. one. <laughs> what was that? I can't argue that. No. But uh, as far as whether or not he can figure it out at the plate, I think we're starting to see something. Something is going on. I don't. Maybe it's the new hitting coach. I'm going to say it's 95% that. <laughs> um, but uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, whatever it is that Urania and Drury have tapped into, I hope they keep it up. I don't think Drury is going to be on the 25 man to start the year. If that means he has to go through waivers, so be it. Uh, because uh, the sixth guy that we want to talk about is probably going to be the heir apparent to Freddie Galvis when all is said and done. And I'll let Justin sing the praises of uh, the next young man. Bo Bichette, hey, is that you want me to talk about? You know what, I, I, I would love for him to be the heir apparent, but Bo Bichette's going to play the full year in AAA. Which sucks. Which does suck. But, but I mean, the Blue Jays, Bo Bichette's a top 10 prospect in baseball. He's number two or number three at shortstop in all of baseball. Um, they're not going to waste a year of service time on him when you have a guy like Galvis at this, as a starter. Urania can back up. Gurriel can play short. There's three guys on the, that are probably going to make the 25-man roster that can play shortstop. And I think I just think Bo Bichette, has no chance of not only making this team on opening day. I don't think any of us expect him to be there on opening day. Um, but even coming up before September, if the Blue Jays decide that, hey, we can burn a year of service time on this guy and they'll cuddle him up after the AAA season's over. I just believe, I love Boba Shett. He's been killing it this spring. He's mashing bombs. He hit a home run out of the stadium yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great. Like He's going to be a similar guy to Vladdy where next year we're going to be talking about him in spring training where... The Blue Jays are manipulating his service time, yada, yada, yada. The fans will be calling for blood. The pitch folks will be out. But Boba Shett just has no shot. I mean, if you look at our depth chart, we've got Drury, Guriel, and Urania listed as our third base options. Galvis, Guriel, Urania listed at, at shortstop. Guriel, Drury, Sogard listed at second base. Boba Shett doesn't even crack the top three on the on the depth chart, and that was last verified today um, by the scouts and the experts at MLB.com. So there's just there's no chance for Boba Shett to climb out of the service time hole this year. It's unfortunate, and I hate saying it, but it's the reality we live in. Yeah, ruin my you day. You just have to Thanks, be patient. Man. You know, Keegan Keegan talked about it with ninety uh, percent of baseball fans not knowing the CBA and him wishing he didn't have to care about the CBA. But that's the reality we live in. And I mean, until this new CBA in a couple of years, when we're probably going to have some job action, some strikes. Um, this is the this the situation we'll be in, and whether whether or not it ever changes in the future remains to be seen. The thing about Bo Bichette is, though, if you watch the games, he's not only hitting the baseball for good numbers, he's hitting the baseball. Oh yeah, he's whacking like, it. Like it's not just like he's getting these greasy singles here or there. He <laughs> is making some absolutely phenomenal contact, yeah. and the sound that the ball makes when it leaves his bat. I mean, mm. it's not Vladdy Junior esque. Nothing is, but he definitely has some some definite sound when he hits the ball. And it's just like, man, why is this guy in the minor leagues when he's hitting the ball like this? I know. I understand why. Yeah. We've got a lot of shortstops. This year we're not going anywhere. Why waste your service time on a guy that we, he can stay in the minors and whatever. Yeah. But, man, I want to see this guy play baseball. He is miles ahead of our other players he's that we have on our team. He's been fielding very well this spring, He's great. Too. He's yeah. one of our best baseball players on the team. Like, not... Mm-hmm best fielder, best hitter, whatever, just pure baseball players. Yeah. Bo Bichette is one of our best players on the team, and it really sucks that he has to start there. I understand why, but whatever. A couple of the games that have been televised, he's been playing, and watching him field at shortstop, he's he's definitely a shortstop. I don't know what people were worried about with him 
with them mm-hmm. saying he has to move to second base. I think this guy's a shortstop for a long time to come. Yeah, we've talked about Anthony Alford enough on the show. He's yeah. killing it. Spoiler alert. So let's get to the pitchers. Uh, Patrick, Sam Gaviglio. Um, he's been pitching pretty well. Nine and a third innings, still in the area of zero and four games. Are you convinced about Sam Gaviglio here, or do you still got some question marks about him? Guys, I am once again Uh-oh. for the fifth time <laughs> since his call-up last season back on the Sam Gaviglio hype train. He's back. Choo-choo. Gaviglio's had an incredible spring training. I would actually argue that Gaviglio has had the best spring training of any pitcher on our roster so far. And it would be hard for anybody to argue against it because he's pitched the most innings and his ERA, zip, nada. He is conceding nothing. He is playing for his life. He is playing as though he is actually competing for one of those rotation spots. And I still think no matter how well he pitches, He's not going to see a rotation spot because I do think that the conspiracy is that the rotation's already been decided. Gaviglio, though, might end up being the new uh, Joe Biagini in that he'll be a spot starter, but also a long reliever and also a guy that we can throw out there uh, and he can chew up, you know, 120 innings every season. I know it's spring training. I know it's early blah, 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 all that stuff. But whatever it is, Gaviglio has figured it out, and he has looked absolutely phenomenal, and I don't think anybody could argue against that at this point. When it comes to Marcus Stroman, though, um, again, three starts, he's 1-1, one one, 2.25 ERA, hasn't had a lot of work, seven strikeouts, though, and the thing is, he's keeping the ball down. Guys are hitting him a little bit here and there, but he's keeping the ball down, which he always does, but it's still mm-hmm. nice to see that he hasn't lost that. Uh, Marcus Stroman, Justin... Are you convinced that he's put all of his problems behind him now, or is this spring just kind of like a okay, you know, he might go back to being inconsistent this year? You know what i I've been a proponent of Marcus Stroman. I know we talk about his negative aspect with the social media, but on the field, the guy's an elite ground ball pitcher. He's shown that again this spring. Outside of his first shaky start, where he gave up the three hundred and fifteen foot fly ball to Troy Tulowitzki. Um, who, by the way, is playing like shit since then. Good oh, for yeah, him. That's too bad. Uh, <laughs> maybe he'll learn not to pimp 315-foot fly balls. Um, but, I mean, Marcus Stroman's looked great. As Keegan alluded to, he said this guy looks like he's, once again, keeping that chip on the shoulder. It might even be a bigger chip now. I'm not sure how it can get any bigger. He's not a very big guy. Mm-hmm. We might have to find a way to measure the chip um, on his shoulder. But he looks good. He looks great. I think he's probably our opening day starter. I think if him oh, yeah. and Sanchez... Um, continue this up. They're one of the best one-two punches in baseball if they can stay healthy, let alone just in our division. And then there's Aaron Sanchez, um, who is also having a good spring as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, two games started. He's 1-0, 0 ERA. Um, not a lot of strikeouts, so he's only got four strikeouts. Again, Aaron Sanchez, he strikes guys out. That's usually what he does. I mean, I know it's only two starts, and it's only four and a half, or four and two-thirds innings pitch, sorry. But still, I'd like to... I just I, I just miss the old Aaron Sanchez, you know, where he was just striking everyone out all the time, and I just I miss that. Are you thinking that this is going to be back though, Patrick? Is Aaron Sanchez back or no? Oh yeah, for sure. His as far as his control goes, uh, I mean, with a WHIP of zero point eight six, I know again four point two innings, extremely small sample size. It's pretty clear that he worked on something in the off season, and I think. As spring training rolls along, I think Sanchez is going to be uh, the guy that people... It's not that they'll be surprised, but it'll become obvious that Aaron Sanchez uh, has everything that that uh, that he needs to have in order to be uh, the ace, the number one. And I predict that Aaron Sanchez will be the opening day starter. Hmm. I think Strowman's going to be the opening day guy. I don't know. I, I just feel like Strowman or Sanchez, I think Strowman's more ace-like than Aaron Sanchez right now. If this was three or four years ago, I'd say Aaron Sanchez. But as of right now, I think Marcus Strowman, at least he pitched okay last year. I mean, Aaron Sanchez was a ghost last year. 
We still don't really know yeah, if but... he can come back and be the old Aaron Sanchez. At least Marcus Stroman, we kind of know that, okay, he had some struggles last year, but he, he still hasn't lost it or anything. Stroman want, is going to want it a lot more than Sanchez, or he's going to be more vocal about it. Marcus Stroman probably has the expectation, but if Stroman goes out and tosses a bunch of meatballs, he's going to look like shit and he'll look like a fool. And I feel like at some point, somebody in Marcus Stroman's camp is going to be like, look, dude, you're coming off a crap season. Maybe you don't want to be the first one through the wall this year. Maybe you let your, your boy Sanchez do it. And, you know, if Sanchez can quietly have an effective first uh, first start, then maybe it kind of puts to, puts to rest the concern about him, and then maybe it shuts up Marcus Stroman a little bit. I mean, we could have our cake and eat it, too. <laughs> no, we can't. No. Um, that's it for the baseball talk. And Justin really wants to talk about Game of Thrones. I know that's a, that's a really bad segue there. Patrick wants to talk about Game of Thrones. You know what? I do, too. What is you guys with Game of Thrones? See, I'm not into Game of Thrones. I never have been. I've read I tried. The books like four times. I gave it a try. I'm not a big Game of Thrones guy. So season eight, you two can nerd out here over Game of Thrones. After you, Patrick. Man, that trailer that dropped last week was hype. <laughs> it was incredible. Seeing the way that they're combining the uh, computer graphics of the dragons and then the, you know sometimes obvious cut paste job they do with like the hordes of the undead or our armies or whatever uh this season looks like it's gonna be insane and you've got almost everybody all in the same place and here's the thing what better way to to pimp out the final season than to have everybody up north wearing their their big blankets and their capes and got their swords ready to fight the undead and Who's back at King's Landing, sitting back, legs crossed, glass of wine in hand, but Cersei fucking Lannister. Bitch. What a beautiful tra- trailer. What a pr- <laughs> And the smirk. I have to say, Lena Headey does not get enough credit for her phenomenal acting mm-hmm. in this show. I, I, I can't remember of a villain m- that I hated more than Cersei Lannister in any TV show, movie, book, anything that I've ever written. Nothing excites me more about this season than getting to see Cersei get hers, whenever that is. I hope it's Arya. I hope it's a dragon incinerates her. I hope it's just, I hope, whatever it is, I hope it's a spectacle. And I hope it's in slow motion. Can't wait. See, the thing I don't like about shows is when my favorite character dies or gets killed off. Oh, or man. Gets, just you would not like Game of Thrones, though. So I can't like Game of Thrones because <laughs> everyone freaking dies. Like, uh, I get super attached to the like characters. It's like reading Shakespeare. You're just get, like, you know everyone's going to die. Exactly. I get attached to the characters and they die. And it's like, okay, well, sweet. Now I invested so much in this character. Now he's gone. What's the point of the even trick watching? Is, now I gotta get a Clayton, the trick is to have no feelings. He's just don't feel die. anything. I can't enjoy it. No. Don't feel um, anything. Captain Marvel, though, you saw it. Is <laughs> yeah. The hype, I, I enjoyed Captain Marvel. I mean, it's it's uh, somewhat of an origin story without being a full origin story. I mean, it, there's there's flashbacks throughout the film. Obviously, this, this character was from Earth originally and is now like a, infused with alien dna of some sort and powers and these kind of things and seeing samuel l jackson de-aged as uh, a young nick fury was pretty pretty fun uh he he kind of he he ran the show i thought he was one of the best performances in the in the film for sure um the the plot leading into avengers endgame in april it comes out the day after my birthday so it's a really good birthday present to, for me um there is a, a an end credit scene as is typical with marvel that shows how captain marvel meets up with the avengers in the in the new film uh so that's going to be pretty the hype for that i mean endgame was already getting hyped pretty high but after this movie there is now nothing standing in the way of avengers endgame in six weeks and the hype for that is just going to keep building at an astronomical pace. I'm See, pretty pumped. I've never been one of those guys to like wait for a superhero movie oh, or man. be excited for a superhero movie or something like that. I've been waiting like, for Avengers Endgame since Avengers Infinity War ended last year. See, like, I, I wait for like a couple weeks after the release and then I'm like, okay, I'll go when it's less crowded. But man, people, like you guys take your superhero stuff very, very seriously. I just serious. take films very seriously. I mean, I, I, if, if you think yeah, this same. is very serious, just wait until Star Wars in December. Like, I'm not going to be able to 
talk about anything else for about three months. See, like, I'm not about the new we movies. Have to, we have to have an episode, movies. guys, where oh. that is dedicated <laughs> towards episode nine. Oh, baby. Where it's just, like, <laughs> 90 minutes of Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, yeah, and then I'll we'll throw in a couple day. money ball quotes. Yeah, Clayton might be sick. I'll That's be okay. Sick I can, that I could, I could carry an episode by myself. I could do it solo. What day is that? Oh, Get no. it? Star Wars. Hey oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I'm definitely sick. Right there now, that is... Oh man, you guys missed the big thing today. It's National Nap Day today. I did um, not have one yet. I'm a huge fan of naps because I wake up at three o'clock in the morning every day. So I, mm. I love naps. Um, the best kind of nap though. Like, are we talking like post Thanksgiving nap, mm. post Christmas morning nap? The I just shoveled for four hours kind of nap. <laughs> I just had a giant breakfast on a Sunday kind of nap. What's your favorite nap, Patrick? It's a it's the four hour shovel nap. I haven't had to shovel snow for a very long time. Good just for because you. we know Halifax is warm. Okay, we get it. <laughs> no, it's just yeah. like I live in an apartment. Um, Last time I shoveled snow, I think, was, like, Christmas of 2014 or 2015, maybe. He remembers it vividly. Uh, and even yeah. even then, my folks, they've got a, uh, a snowblower. And um, we just don't have to worry about it anymore. But way back when I was uh, an angsty teenager listening to Good Charlotte uh, <laughs> and grumbling, uh, having to get up at 7 in the morning to shovel the driveway, uh, that post, going back to bed... Hit, hitting the sack after that that intense snowdrift laden uh, shoveling session that is that's like the a plus like the Mac daddy of naps Mac daddy <laughs> all right all right I'm gonna go off board here from the options that you laid out you, my uh you don't have to pick one of mine you oh I'm just up. I'm yeah. going off board Clayton okay. so let me do this <laughs> my favorite kind of nap is the I have to. I'm going out tonight, so I have to sleep so that I can stay up past nine. Nap. That's a good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also wake. I wake up at five every morning to go to the gym. I don't go come into work that early because I'm not on the radio. But uh, that's not a shot at you or anything. Oh, no, it's yeah, just... people don't forget, bud. People don't forget. <laughs> it's just uh, I, I I so I go to bed around nine nine thirty every night. So for me to stay up like Friday nights are like a write off for me. I'm usually in bed at nine so I can stay up late on Saturday for my one one night past midnight a week kind yeah. of thing but for me it's like that you get the get home at 4 30 from work nap and sleep till seven just so you can like think about staying up till midnight mm -hmm. that's my favorite kind of nap it's just like the week is over so i can i can just forget all my troubles sleep in or sleep for three hours and then just go binge drink for the weekend it's great my favorite nap has <laughs> to be the saturday golf in the background nap Oh, yeah. Uh, if you have too many wobbly pops mm. on a Friday and then <laughs> some kind of golf tournaments on Saturday, there's always golf on TV somewhere. I love falling asleep. The sweet sounds of David Faraday. Like, I love watching the final round of a golf tournament, but even then, like, the back nine. Oh, yeah. Watching golf can be pretty boring. Oof. Like, I love golf, and I love watching majors, and I love watching the Masters and stuff like that, but, like, a, just a normal golf tournament, if it's not the final round, I can't really watch it, but I love falling asleep to it. Because it's calm, the announcers talk like this the entire time. Hello, how's it going? Like, it just puts you to sleep, you know? So I love the golf in the background nap, but that post-Christmas morning nap, Ooh. when all the wrapping is put away, all the gifts are put away, everything is done, and you know that the rest of the day you have nothing to do because no one else is doing anything. Yeah. That's a solid you nap right there. You just gorge on your mom's homemade cookies yeah. and the sugary gummy santas that are out and about and then you just have a sugar and food coma and I go to sleep love love naps oh yeah that's so good much. stuff if it wasn't for naps i'd be screwed like, oh man some people say that they can't nap and Do you I remember just, i don't get those people how can you not nap just close your eyes and figure it out that's like, like the biggest thing in life is when you were younger naps were a punishment and now it's like a reward for yeah. making it through the day yeah it's the best part <laughs> of my damn day which is weird that sleeping is the best part of my day but other than Oof, that's i just say it if, if, look Every day is just a countdown until bedtime. Exactly. And I have two <laughs> bedtimes, so it's great. So, um, I think that's it. That's all for another episode of uh, Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Uh, thanks for listening. Again, um, 
SoundCloud, Google Play Music, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. We're all over that. All over the social media. Mm. Make sure you like us. Make sure you share us. Comment. Ask us some questions. We'll try and answer them and stuff like that. Again, thanks for taking your time to listen. Um, I've got the to outro Tegan song, Madison too. As well. Yeah. Um, on behalf of Patrick and Justin, see you later. Justin, you really like the outro song. So. Yeah. In honor of having a uh, second Nova Scotian on the podcast today, we're going to go with Sloan's Money City Maniacs for the outro song. Have a good one. See ya.